This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec, the place to stay updated and educated. Hello and welcome to the podcast, Tech Guide, episode 361. Great to have your company and a big shout out to our first time listeners. My name is Stephen Fennec. I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. This week, we're coming to you from the US after the Samsung Galaxy Note 10 launch in New York. And we'll be speaking with Gary McGregor, Samsung Australia's Vice President of the Mobile Division. Samsung has also announced it will be re-entering the Australian laptop market. And Donald Trump has angered gamers after blaming violent video games for the recent mass shootings. In the Tech Guide reviews, we take a hands-on look at the July carry-on case, which has a built-in battery. We also check out the ultimate USB-C hub for your MacBook Pro, and JBL has unveiled its latest rugged Bluetooth speaker. And we'll wrap it all up with the Tech Guide help desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, the company that keeps you connected, and Norton, the company that keeps you protected. Well, we are coming to you from the US. We're actually in Los Angeles now. We're uh, making a little stopover on the way home, but the uh, Samsung event was in New York. It was held at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, the same same place where they announced the Note 9 a year ago, and that's the home court, I think, of the, the New York Nets. So it's quite a, a famous facility, but Samsung took it over for their launch of their new Note 10 and Note 10 Plus, it's the first time we've had two Note products uh, in, a, in a single year, which uh, is interesting little move by Samsung because this is considered, uh, this is the, their strategy here because the Note is a very popular product in their portfolio. It's, it's a high-end product with very, very loyal customers who are absolute Note fans. And for for customers that are new to the Note device, Samsung felt that maybe if there was only one and it was at the 6.8 inch size, there's the 6.8 Note 10 Plus and the 6.3 Note 10, Samsung, I think, felt that if there was just the 6.8, some customers who were considering the jump may have been a little bit too intimidated by that larger screen. So that's the reason why they opted for, for that entry, the entry size, the 6.3 inch size, so which isn't too much bigger than the S10 and last year's Note 9. So they thought that that might onboard more customers to the Note. Uh, people were instead of maybe perhaps buying the, the Galaxy S10, they perhaps may be considering the Note 10. And, I've got to say, we got our hands on it, of course. Our hands-on video and our story is on Tech Guide, but uh, it is really impressive the, the moment you grab it. It is, it, it ha- does have a, a sleeker, sl- slightly squarer-looking design. Uh, there are curved edges, of course, on the Infinity display, and instead of it having a forehead, which is where the space above the screen to fit in the sensors and also the camera, there's now a single hole punch on the front of the screen. And what that does, it frees up all this space so that Samsung can put more screen on the front of the phone. So the screen-to-body ratio is a remarkably high 94%. 
So the, the second you grab this thing, all you're looking at is the screen. You can hardly see the edges because of the infinity display, and there's really tiny bezels top and bottom as well. The two screen sizes that I mentioned, uh, 6.3 for the Note 10, 6.8 for the Note 10 Plus. Uh, the Note 10 is actually about the same size as the Note 9. The Note 10 Plus, I should say, is about the same size, but it has a, a, a much larger screen, 6.4-inch screen on the Note 9, 6.8-inch screen on the Note 10 Plus. But the devices, I think that, uh, and you're going to hear this later from Gary McGregor from Samsung, I think the Note 10 is the Note 10 Plus is a millimetre wider and perhaps a millimetre taller, but you're getting 0.4 inches more screen space uh, on there as well, and with the hole punch, uh, no, even that, that screen to body ratio is even higher. But the the new features, uh, the improvements, weren't all on the surface; they were also internally as well. And of course, the star of the show is also the is still the S Pen. That's the reason why it's called a Note in the first place, because the S Pen allows you to write and draw on the screen. But this year, it's taken it even further. The S Pen is actually has a unibody construction. It also has its own battery. So you can run the S Pen without having to insert it into the Note 10 for up to 10 hours. Beforehand, the S Pen used to run for about an hour. Then you would have had to put it back inside to charge again. Now it's got its own battery, a bigger battery, so it runs for up to 10 hours. And it is, again, last year it was a... a the, you could activate the camera and maybe control a presentation and activate the shutter. This year, it's taken those capabilities even further, and you can now use the S Pen not only to do all those things, the camera, activate the shutter, but you can now switch between camera modes, switch between the front and back camera. You can control your content, whether you're watching a movie or listening to music. And you can even scroll through your content as well just by using simple gestures. You'll see in the video that the camera can be also controlled uh, f f with the S Pen just making the gestures. There was one example where if you want to zoom in on a subject, you just simply make a twisting gesture with the S Pen and you see the camera zooming in to the, whatever you're pointing it at. Really cool right there. On the camera side, also had a significant improvement. Now, there is a difference in the camera systems for the Note 10 and the Note 10 Plus. The Note 10 Plus naturally has one extra lens. It's a time-of-flight lens, they call it, which is basically a depth-sensing lens to allow people to create better bokeh effect, better depth shots. But the front camera, both Notes have a single front-facing camera, both offer live focus as well. So if you're taking portraits, even when you're shooting video, through one lens, it's giving you that bokeh effect as well. So it's really, there's a lot of software working under the hood there to be able to create that kind of effect. Uh, really cool there. The camera, of course, the quality of the camera is remarkable. There's, the, there's a 16 and two 12 megapixel cameras, that, and there is there's a telephoto wide and ultra wide uh, that, that all combined there, and the camera quality is superb. It's actually taken it up a notch, I think, from the Samsung Galaxy S10 5G, which had four cameras on the back as well, and two on the front. This only gives you one on the front, but uh, the quality from the back cameras are remarkable as well. There is another cool feature. They've introduced AR, 
augmented reality into the picture as well. And what you can do now, there's a, there's a cool new feature called AR Doodle. And basically what it allows you to do is to create shapes in inside your image that are placed. And as you move around, let's say, for example, and you can see this in my video, I, uh, I drew a crown on my head and gave myself a beard and a moustache. And then when you see me moving my face around, they remain where they are. They're attached to my head as I move around. That's just one example of what you can do. You can draw doodles in the air, you know, or lines and shapes, and all. You can just let your imagination run wild, and then you can pan the camera around, move the camera around that little environment you've created, uh, and you can record all this while you're doing it. By the way, so that other people can see what you're doing, and that's yet another form of expression and a way we can decorate our images and videos now. Um, getting back to, the, I just want to talk about the screen a little bit. The Note 10 screen has a resolution of 2280 by 1080, and it's got a 401 PPI, which is pixels per inch. The Note 10 takes it up even further because it's slightly bigger, 3040 by 1440. So you're getting a decent amount of extra resolution, and it's got 498 PPI as well, pixels per inch. So the, uh, the, the, the Note 10 Plus is the much sharper screen. The Note 10 Plus also is going to give customers the option of having a, there's a 5G variant for the Note 10 as well. So there's the Note 10, which is just 4G LTE, and the Note 10 Plus will be available in the 4G LTE model as well as the 5G model as well. And if you opt for the 5G model, you're going to get 12 gig of RAM instead of 8, 512 gig of storage instead of 256. The, the Note 10 has 8 and 256 as well, but, and also 4G. So the pricing is $14.99 for the Note 10, $17.99 for the 4G 10 Plus, and $19.99 for the 5G 10 Plus. The camera, uh, I mentioned already has a, a lot of capabilities and the live focus and the effects you can put on your images are really impressive. This is something that that people really take notice of when they're buying a camera, uh, buying a phone, because they're not buying a device that just makes phone calls. They're buying a device that takes pictures. Pictures are really important. But this time, Samsung has added even more capabilities to shooting video. So video capability now has even increased even further. So better optical stabilization to keep your video steady. They've also introduced a cool new video editing software on board. So right there and on the device, you can uh, edit your videos, add your transitions, add effects, slow down or speed up your clips. You can even write on the screen and add your decorations with the S Pen as well. And the end result is a pretty slick looking video. On the performance side, no surprises that this is a powerhouse, especially when it comes to mobile gaming. We took a look at a driving game on the device and it was really smooth, really clear and responsive and looked like the sort of game you'd play on a console or on a PC. So that, that's pretty cool as well. Now, on the productivity side, yet another feature here is Samsung DeX. Now, we've seen this on previous devices where you did have to, in the past, plug the phone into a dock or with a cable uh, on, or like a, sit it on a stand and things like that to create the DeX environment on a monitor 
uh, with a Bluetooth keyboard. You can still do that if you've just got a standalone monitor and a keyboard. So you can just put your Note 10 becomes the CPU, becomes the computer for that environment. And then you can access all your Word documents and mail and everything, and it's all secure on the device. Once you unplug it, stay, everything stays on the device as well. But Dex has got yet another feather in its bow, in its cap, or whatever that term is. It's got another feature that allows you to connect it now to PC and Mac laptops. So what you can do now is once this, once you can connect the note to your PC or Mac, it creates a little pop-up comes up where you can actually control and access whatever's on the Note 10 from that computer. So within that environment, you can swap files from the phone to the PC and vice versa. But you can also then use the computer's hardware, so the screen and the keyboard and mouse, to operate your phone. So some of your apps you might want to use with a mouse and a keyboard. That makes that possible as well. So it's taken DeX to another level. Also on board too is 802.11ax. And that's important because that is otherwise known as Wi-Fi 6. You're going to hear from Netgear and in our, in our, our, one of our sponsors sell Wi-Fi 6 routers. So if you've got a Wi-Fi 6 router and a Note 10, the S10 was also Wi-Fi 6. So 802.11ax compatible. It's going to be up to four times faster on Wi-Fi than your typical uh, your, your 802.11ac devices on that network as well. And this device, of course, IP68 rating, has an in-screen fingerprint reader, just like the S10. Uh, and it's also uh, no headphone jack. One thing that they've, one thing that we they haven't added, they've actually taken away headphone jack RIP, no longer on this product so I'm thinking if you're a note user you're a pretty high-end user so you're going to be using you're probably going to have a pretty slick pair of bluetooth earphones or headphones to use with these things anyway but you know what let's hear from the man himself Mr. Gary McGregor who is the Samsung uh, head of Samsung's mobile division for Samsung Australia Uh, we caught up with him after the launch Gary, thanks for joining me. We're here at another Note launch. Uh, this one, uh, though, is high expectations on this product. And what can Australians expect? The Note has become a signature product in the Samsung portfolio, but also a, the customer is very loyal to this product too, aren't they? Thank you for being here, Stephen. Really appreciate it. Uh, yes, the Note is in a category all of its own, essentially, and it has been since we brought it to the Australian shores back in 2011. And it really is the best of what Samsung can deliver in terms of technology. And we always use the term around meaningful innovation. And it's taking that feedback from Australians in particular and building a smartphone that complements their life. So you're right in that these customers are loyal. Over 90% of Note customers today have used a previous Note device. Mm -hmm. So the excitement around uh, this this announcement is, is palpable. And for the first time, we're seeing two Note devices. So there's the Note 10 and the Note 10 Plus, different screen sizes. What's what's the thinking behind that? So, yeah, you're right. The Note 10 Plus would be the natural evolution of the Note 9 and the, and the Note 8 prior to that. 
uh, and that will deliver and that's to be honest that's really where we think the majority of the, the sales will come from however at the same time introducing the the note 10 the feedback we were receiving from uh, from customers particularly in Australia as well was that they love the productivity and the power that the note brings but they just felt it was a, a little bit too too big for them mm-hmm. So really we wanted to take the, the note principles around design, power and the pen and take it to a smaller form factor. And when you actually hold the 10 in your hands in particular, it's, it just fits perfectly. Yeah, I, I, did, uh, I had the Note 9 to compare it with. And uh, the Note 9 is actually the same size as the Note 10 Plus, but the 10 Plus screen is, is bigger thanks to the infinity display and the, the hole punch in, in the screen as well. So that, that's a factor too, that it's not this massive device, but yet it's still got a big screen. That's right. We were, we were very careful around uh, design and how can you basically stretch the screen out as far as you possibly can. So the, the Note 10 Plus is actually l- less than one millimeter wider and less than one millimetre taller, and it's actually thinner than what you had on the mm-hmm. on the Note 9. But obviously the performance and the camera, the, the power behind it is significantly more than we've ever had in any smartphone. So the, the power users are making up, obviously, the, the Note the Note customers are, are power users, and we're going to see the Galaxy Fold later this year. Is that a similar customer, you think, that will be a Note and possibly a Fold user? Uh, I think they're they're different. The fold uh, is interesting. I think fold will be. I think we'll start to tap into almost a second phone market with the with the fold, and I think it will be seen more as a as a luxury item and a premium item. Whereas what we see for Note users, they are they are the people who are busy. You know the the lines of work life balance are really blurred these days, and it's people who need to be always on and they're relying on their technology. And I think we used to say years ago, oh, I, I only know how to use 10% of my mobile phone. I can promise you now today that is not the case. People are more dependent on technology than ever. And the note users are really the ones that need to achieve, need to be connected and always on. So I think they're going to be very distinct groups. How much of a challenge is it to come up year after year, especially with a product like the Note, which has always had high expectations, how much of a challenge is it to deliver the features, the power and the performance each time? It is, and uh, it's a great question. We in Samsung, just in the mobile side alone, we've got more than 15,000 engineers focused on research and development. We spend $35 million a day on research and development. It's one of the biggest globally. And I, I always raise a wry smile when people say, oh, I don't feel as though the technology's moved on because you really start to think, how, how far can the industry go? Because inside, there's literally hundreds of changes that have been made in the Note 10 versus the, the previous Note. And yeah, are we, are we going to see the days of radical innovation? I think the Galaxy Fold takes you there, and that's creating a whole new category. But with Note, it's really understanding how people use and how mobility and how mobile technology can help our lifestyle and enhancing that and tweaking that. And that's what we've done with the Note 10, and that's what we're very proud of. And, of course, the S Pen is on board and more powerful than ever. 
it's got its own battery now, is that right? And, and, it, and it lasts, what, 10 hours? That's right. So previously it was less than an hour. Now we have a unibody design so that there's no gap in it at all. And it does have its own battery. So to be able to essentially operate your pen now for 10 hours, and it's got more function than, than ever. So you can actually almost use it as a magic wand is the best way to, to describe your pen. But now you can start to control your, your gallery, uh, your camera. Uh, your Spotify account and uh, any media using using the pen. So I think last year the pen was used for the what I term as the unintended selfie, where people would perch their device up and then walk a few feet away and then click <laughs> as they're longingly looking over the harbour. I think we're going to see a lot more applications, and we're opening up the SDK for the pen at our unpacked event as well. So I think there'll be a lot more ideas behind that coming up. The Note 10 is available 4G LTE, and the Note 10 Plus is 4G and 5G variants. That's correct. That's correct. So there's going to be the, exactly those. So the, the Note 10 will be, it's 1499 RRP, and that will be available in two colours as well. We've done a lot of research on colours, and with the, the S10, the prismatic colours uh, were received really, really well, again, in Australia. So we, we have a colour which is called Aura Glow, and I think that's going to do incredibly well. It's very hard. I'm not even going to attempt to describe what it looks like here, but it is very, very impressive. And then there's a black as well. So each of those, and with the, the 10 Plus, and then obviously 5G as well, we're very much leading innovation in 5G and really pushing the boundaries of what we can do there. So this is the next product to complement the S10 5G. So very excited about what impact that's going to have in the Australian market. How, how is 5G, that's obviously you were the first to have a 5G device in the market, now the Note 10 Plus will be a 5G variant, I'm, I'm assuming mo- many of the users will probably tick that box and want to go 5G, how, how is that performing so far in Australia? It's performing really well. We're really happy with the performance of, of 5G and I think what's interesting this time, the S10 5G was almost its own product whereas this one you're going to have a very similar device but 4g and a 5g variant what we're what we're hearing and what we're seeing from research is in australia 64 percent of people who are going to purchase their next smartphone want to future proof themselves so yeah obviously today the 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 applications and the speeds and it's been very publicly uh covered around the fact that some speeds aren't where they where they need to be but I can promise you in the, the work, the collaborative work we're doing with the carriers in particular to make sure the performance continues to excel. Uh, there's a very bright future in Australia for 5G and we want to make sure that we continue to be at the forefront of it. Gary, we really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you so much, Stephen. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. Well, it was a busy old event for Samsung. They also uh, introduced a couple of other products that we're going to talk about right now, and one of them is a laptop. Do you remember when Samsung used to make laptops in Australia? It was about, I think, whoa, six, seven years ago now. Uh, and they didn't do very well, let's, let's face it. They, uh, they were around for a little while. They looked great, were very thin, worked well, but um, really couldn't compete against the established players. But now Samsung has decided to re-enter the laptop market with a product called the Galaxy Book S. Now, this is a laptop with a difference. This is offering a mobile experience, a mobile computing experience in a clamshell. So in a regular laptop, this isn't a, a two-in-one, detachable screen, uh, bendable screen, sort of tent mode. It's a 13.3-inch it's a clamshell 
uh, weighs just 960 grams. I had a feel this, it's a really thin and light. It's just, speaking of thin, it's only 11.8 millimetres thick. So right, really small and thin and light right there. But the approach Samsung are taking is slightly different here. They are targeting the mobile user, the person who assumes non-stop connectivity. When you put your phone out of your pocket, you, you've got 4G or whatever you're on, 3, 3G, 5G, whatever you're connected to, there's no need to hunt around for Wi-Fi because you've got, you've got it there already. You've got it. It's always on. It's always connected. So imagine having that experience with a laptop. That's exactly what Samsung want to do with the Galaxy Book S. There's going to be a SIM card slot. There's even a micro SD card slot as well so that you can just pop a, a SIM card in this thing and not have to worry about finding Wi-Fi. It's going to be connected all the time. That's one aspect that's different. The other aspect is that it's also running a new compute platform from Qualcomm. Qualcomm's the company who makes all the processors for, smart, for smartphones. So imagine the nimble, the nimble nature of a mobile device with 4G LTE built in, created by Qualcomm. This, the process is called the Snapdragon 8CX. So combine all of those things, suddenly you've got this laptop that is not only connected all the time, not only performs very impressively all the time, no need to look for a Wi-Fi network at any time, but it's also going to have 23 hours of battery life. So it's taking advantage of that mobile compute platform, low power, yet still high, yet low power consumption, but still high performance. So they've, they've done a really good job here in sort of bringing their strength from the mobile world and combining it into a laptop. So like your phone, it's always on, always connected, and so mobile productivity and creativity will never be compromised. It's always going to be there. Now, they haven't announced a price for Australian customers. They, they did announce a starting price of $999 US dollars, which uh, is if you do the if you do the conversion in our dollars really struggling at the moment that's probably about fourteen hundred and something Australian dollars which I think is not bad value it sort of puts it right in front of the MacBook Air so it's a little bit of a challenger for the MacBook Air it's similar sort of light and thin construction uh, has eight gig of RAM on board and you can choose either two fifty six gig or five twelve of internal SSD that's solid state storage as well not going to be out till October. And uh, pricing for Australia will be announced at uh, closer to the launch date. Uh, the other product they announced was another watch, the Galaxy Watch Active 2. Uh, they've uh, the follow up from the successful Galaxy Watch Active, which was only announced a few months ago. It was only announced in February, the first Galaxy Watch Active. So seven months later, not even six months later, they're announcing another one, Active Watch 2. They're still going to sell the first one, but the second one now has a second size. There's 44 millimeter and 40 millimeter. There's also LTE, so SIM card connectivity. Uh, and there's also a new feature called the digital bezel. So, you know, with the larger Galaxy Watch, there's a physical bezel that you can rotate with your fingers. Well, now imagine just running your fingers around the edge of this screen and, and then seeing the screen change as you're doing it. That's this digital bezel that they've introduced. So this also is going to be focused, obviously, on health and wellness. That's, that's why it's called Galaxy Watch Active. So it can, uh, can work out, manually track 
more than 39 workouts, uh, track seven of them automatically. Uh, so it's your coach on your wrist. You can also keep an eye out on your stress levels and things like that and provide access to guided meditation and programs like that if, uh, if that's what you're into. But it uh, also can monitor your sleep, so health and wellness all in one. Pricing starts at $549 and goes all the way up to $799 for the LTE model. The Bluetooth model, uh, 44mm, starts at yeah $549. So uh, interesting to see a lot of products they've announced. And full disclosure, I was a guest of Samsung in New York when I travelled over there, uh, hence the reason why I could cover it and why I could do my radio and why I could do my podcast over here as well. But all of those stories that we talked about, the Galaxy Note 10, the Galaxy Book, Two and the Galaxy Watch Active 2 are all at techguide.com.au. Now, just before we arrived in the US, there was, uh, there was a, a, a tragic double mass shooting. There were two mass shootings uh, just days before we arrived in the US, one uh, in Dayton, Ohio, and the other in El Paso in Texas. And uh, I think the, the total, the, total uh, the, the, the death toll for those two were more, more than, 30, I think it's 31 people uh, in total gunned down both in El Paso and in Dayton. Now, why am I talking about this on a tech podcast? Well, I'll tell you, uh, US President Donald Trump has come out and actually pointed the finger at violent video games as being one of the root causes. Now, one of the shooters, I think it was the dude from El Paso, before he went on his rampage, posted a manifesto on this obscure site that I think listed in one sentence that he's a Call of Duty fan. And so immediately Donald Trump, who's the head of the Republican Party, the Republican Party who are very solidly in bed with the gun lobby, pounced on that and to try to think shift weight away from the whole gun control argument Trump as you've noticed has never been a, uh, he's, he's more of a people kill people not guns kill people kind of guy but the ease of access to guns is, is the problem here but more on that in a minute but the fact that he's laid blame to video games has angered a lot of people, myself included, because there's been numerous studies, many reports, a lot of research has gone into this. And that is total baloney, that, that violent video games could lead to violent behaviour. It is complete and utter rubbish. And the how I know that is because the US per capita and Australia and other countries around the world all play these games. We all play the same games. So the the average per number of people who play, well, let's use Call of Duty as the example in the America, same in Australia, same in countries like Japan. Now, have they? What, what are their what are their what are their gun laws like, and and what is the the rate of people uh, homicides that are a result of gun from guns? Uh, in in we, we play just as many games as the U.S., but in the U.S., seventy three percent of all homicides were gun related. The number of homicides that were gun-related in Australia was only 13%. Now, even go to a country like Japan, that would be even lower still, but they love their video games. So the difference here being Australia, Japan, and all these other countries that still enjoy just as many violent video games, and now they're rated as well, so they've come with an R rating, so you know what you're getting. Just as many countries that play video games have strict gun control and 
the, the number of people that are killed with guns is far, far, far less. Now, I'm here in the U.S. right now, okay, and I could, if I wanted to, I've, I've seen them. I can go to Walmart and go to any other big, big, big box store, and there is, I could just as easily buy a pair of running shoes, I can just as easily buy a gun as I could a pair of runners in some of these sports stores. That there is the problem. The ease of access to guns is something that all these other countries outside of the US, uh, our con- gun control laws are so much stronger. That's the reason why our, our, our death rates are much lower and why the number of mass shootings that occur in other, these other countries are a fraction of what happens here in the US. So gamers are not happy with this. So you know, Trump's saying that, look, mental illness pulls the trigger and hate pulls the trigger. That's true. But if there's a gun within arm's reach, then what's going to happen? If there's no gun within reach, then they're not going to shoot people. It's as simple as that. So I think it's pretty unfounded that, that he's talking about this. And I support the gamers that are angry at, at, at this notion that just because you, you play Call of Duty, you might go out and shoot other people. That is total rubbish. You want to read more about that story? Check it out, techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly supported by Netgear. They're Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand. Now, you upgrade your smartphone and your TV and your laptop, but when was the last time you upgraded your home Wi-Fi? It's probably been a while. Well, the future of Wi-Fi is right here. It's time to welcome Wi-Fi 6. If you watch your shows on services like Netflix or Hulu, you need the newest line of high-performance routers from Netgear. It'll be like giving your streaming the VIP treatment. Netgear Nighthawk Wi-Fi 6 routers give you ultra-fast speeds and wider coverage throughout your home. You get four times the capacity compared to today's Wi-Fi, which means you can connect more devices and stream simultaneously without impacting Wi-Fi speed and reliability. The devices of today and tomorrow demand more. Remember I spoke earlier about the Note 10. It is Wi-Fi 6 compatible. So what you need is high-performance Wi-Fi that can keep up with you and your entire family. It's the biggest revolution in Wi-Fi ever, and you can be one of the first to have the next generation of Wi-Fi 6 technology with a Netgear Nighthawk router. Turn your Wi-Fi up to 6 with a Nighthawk Wi-Fi 6 router. Go check it out today at netgear.com slash Wi-Fi 6. That's netgear.com slash Wi-Fi and the number 6. And now, a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennec. Alrighty, let's get into the reviews, and uh, I reviewed something a little different this time. It's not a phone, it's not a computer, not a television, it's a suitcase. It's the July Carry-On suitcase. Actually, July is is an Aussie company based in Melbourne. Now, the Carry-On is the name of the case, which, as its name suggests, is a carry-on piece of luggage. And this is a pretty smart-looking bag from the get-go, but there is a little something that's got uh, underneath the hood that makes it even more special, and that is a 10,000 milliamp-hour battery. Now, I know anyone who's travelled, I travel a lot, I see this a lot, that people are frantically trying to charge their devices before they get on the plane so that they can use their phone or their tablet or their laptop in flight. Well, instead of trying to trying to hunt for a wall plug in the in the in the airport terminal the July carry-on bag has that right there at your fingertips so you can charge your phone your laptop and your tablet through either two USB ports 
and also a USB-C port. Now, the the battery, of course, has to be charged, and it then it can be inserted. It's ejectable, so laws are when you're travelling, if your device has a built-in battery, in this case, it, the, you can see the access the battery from a small panel below the handle. The rule is that you have to be able to remove that battery. If uh, something happens where the battery has to be isolated, then it's easier to isolate a small object than a massive suitcase. So that's the reason for that. And you that does tick the box for that. You can take the battery out of the case and keep it separate. Or it sits nicely at a, right at the right level for you to just sit it in the, in the case and connect with your cables to charge your devices while you're waiting. Now, of course, being a suitcase, it's got all the security and all the storage that you need as well. It's got a nice uh, combination lock, TSA-approved lock as well, uh, and has some really nice compartments inside so you can separate your luggage. There's, there's two halves to it, of course, and there's, there's a zip-up compartment, and there's also a section for you to put your wet clothes. I don't know how many times you've had to put wet clothes in your bag. I haven't had to do it much, but apparently when you do that, and I have had this experience, I think, once or twice, where the wet clothes actually can stink out the whole bag. So in this instance, the wet clothes can go in a little laundry section that's sealed off from the rest of the bag. So it doesn't, A, doesn't wet your other clothes, and B, doesn't stink out your bag, which is what you want. Uh, I used the bag on a recent trip to the US. No lack of space at all. Lots of cool, cool colours as well. I use, I've had the green version, which was pretty cool. Uh, the handle is really sturdy as well, really nice. And you do, you could fit quite a bit in there. There's these compression straps that keep everything in place. So uh, you can pack quite a bit of stuff in the July carry-on. And it's only 295 bucks, which is about what you'd pay for a decent case like this. Uh, it's made out of lightweight polycarbonate too. It's got also uh, aluminium corners so that it can handle any heavy drops. Weighs 3.4 kilograms, 55 centimetres high, 38 centimetres wide, 22 centimetres deep. So cabin size, you can take it on board. That $295, by the way, includes free delivery and also a 100-day risk-free trial and a lifetime warranty. So if you like travelling and you want to keep your devices charged, then this is the case for you. Check it out at techguide.com.au. You MacBook users, how often have you looked at your USB-C ports on the side and go, oh, I've, got to, I've got to read a memory card or I need a USB 3.0 plug and I need to read something, connect an external hard drive and I want to connect a HDMI cable and you can't. The only way you can do it is with a USB-C hub and the latest hub is called the Stay Go by 12 South, their USB hub. Probably one of the one of the better ones that I've seen because it has not only a full suite of ports, it's got both a micro SD and a main, a bigger SD card slot in the same hub. So you're getting all of the all the ports, and I'll list them for you right now. The ports you get you get with this thing, they get a USB C, so that's what connects from the the hub to your MacBook, a 4K HDMI port. USB, uh, three USB-A 3.0 ports. There's a gigabit Ethernet port. So say you're here like you hit, like me in a hotel room and you want to have an Ethernet cable connection. You don't want to use Wi-Fi. You want something faster. You can connect a cable to get your computer on the internet, the MacBook on the internet using a cable. 
So there's the gigabit Ethernet port, USB-C for, from external power. There's an SD card slot and a micro SD card slot as well. And it's been designed thoughtfully as well. There's two cables that come with it. There's a longer cable so you can, you know, have you seen some other hubs with like a, a two-inch cable? That, then there's the massive hub that sits next to your computer and then all, everything's right next to your, the, the laptop. With the, the StayGo, it's got a longer USB-C. I've actually connected it to my laptop right now, and I'm able to place the hub about a meter away from me. So there's no, there's no clutter right next to my, my laptop. But there's also a little travel cord that slits, slides in the side of the device. So there's a little six-inch connection cable. So if you're on the go, you simply pull out this little one. It's a shorter cable, of course, but if you're in a pinch, that'll connect you. So, you know, Wi-Fi connection gets you so far, okay? If you want to upload a photo or two or do stuff like that, great. But if you're a creative professional who's got to upload 4K video or uh, all these massive um, photographs, lots of, like thousands of photographs at the same time, you need a connection. You need something like this to be able to get through all of that. And the HDMI connection alone lets you do a lot of work with 4K video, viewing, as well as uh, sending data down the line as well. There's also two, and this may sound like a minor feature, there's four little rubber feet on the bottom. Now, you know how many times have you tried to connect something to a hub and it's moving all around? This actually sits in place while you, you, you it doesn't move around too much when you're trying to plug the cable in. That's important for a hub, you know. So I, I quite like that feature as well. The USB-C StayGo hub from 12 South. It's available for their, from their website. It's 99 US dollars. So the way our dollar's performing now, that's probably about $140. But check it out if you do have a MacBook Pro and you want to stay connected, uh, have all these connection options, I haven't seen one better than this. The StayGo USB-C Hub. Check out our story at techguide.com.au. Now, JBL, pretty popular audio brand. Did you know they're owned by Harman, and Harman is in turn owned by Samsung? So Samsung acquired Harman uh, a number of years ago now, and uh, JBL is one of their subsidiary brands. And JBL, uh, no slouch in the audio space, I've got to tell you. My home theatre has a JBL synthesis system, 7.2 uh, system, and it is amazing. I love that system. It's just absolutely brilliant. I love being in there watching movies. It's, it's like I'm at the movies. It's that good. So JBL have got the audio chops to be able to produce a Bluetooth speaker, and they have done with the Flip 5. This is a portable speaker that not only uh, sounds good, but is also rugged. You can take it anywhere. And it's pretty small. It's only 18 centimetres long, 18.1 centimetres long, 6.9 centimetres high, 7.4 centimetres deep. It's like a, it's a tubular shape. 540 grams it weighs, uh, and you can take it anywhere with you. You can take it on holidays. You can take it down the beach. You can throw it in the pool. It is waterproof. It's got an IPX7 rating. It's also got rugged rubber housing, so it can handle it when you're travelling with it. If you drop it at the beach or drop it on the concrete, whatever, it's going to handle it for you. Now, on the audio side, there's also been a decent improvement as well. There's new racetrack-shaped drivers, which increases the cone area and the excursion. Excursion is how far the cones can vibrate within the housing, within the driver, uh, and that is already magnifying JBL's already impressive signature sound. So 
pretty big sound coming from a small device. So having that improvement is noticeable for some, for, for many, if you're a customer already with an older model of this, if you've got the flip four, you'll notice the difference straight away. There's 44 mil by eight, 800 millimeter transducers, 20 watt RMS output as well. Now it also has a very, very impressive 12 hours of battery life. It takes two and a half hours to charge it up through the USB-C port, but two and a half hours charging, you can get 12 hours of battery life out of it. That's a pretty good deal to me. The Flip 5 is available in 11 colours, so no shortage of good colours there. It's 149 bucks. so if you're looking for a decent Bluetooth speaker that it can go anywhere, can go underwater even, can handle the, the, the knocks and scrapes, and it's only 149 bucks. the JBL Flip 5 is right there for you. You want to check that story out? It's on our website, techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly supported by Norton. They're the company that can protect you and your family online. Now, we live in a world where hackers are constantly finding new ways to steal your personal information. And because we spend so much time online, it's quite possible we could find ourselves in a cyber criminal sites. The Norton team is dedicated to keeping people safe online no matter how they connect. So whether you're paying bills on your phone, shopping on your tablet or banking on your laptop, Norton Security Premium is working hard behind the scenes to help keep your information, your identity and your devices protected. Don't do this before it's too late. Have this protection because it's not a matter of if you're going to get attacked or hacked. It's a matter of when. People are doing this full time to get your information. For more information on how to protect your digital life, visit au.norton.com. And now, answering all your tech questions, the Tech Guide Help Desk. The Tech Guide Help Desk is brought to you by Belkin. They're our new partners for the Help Desk. And uh, you, if you need a cable or a charger, any other accessory, check them out, belkin.com forward slash AU. Now, today we're going to talk about a couple of little things, uh, and they're, they're both acronyms. HDR and VPNs. We'll start with HDR. I had an email from one of my loyal readers and, and he was simply asking, there's a lot of people who see HDR and actually don't know what it is. Uh, and they, they're not aware that, for, for, so he, he asked me, and look, it's a question that a lot of people ask. What is 4G? Why is it better? And what is HDR? What does that do? Uh, and so I took my time, to, I answered his email and explained that 4K, H, 4K for a start is four times the resolution of full high definition. So there's four times as many pixels in the picture as there is in full high definition. So uh, you do, the, the detail that you see on the screen is far greater than full high definition when you're looking at 4K. Now, with those extra pixels, you can do a lot more, and that's where HDR comes into it. HDR is short for High Dynamic Range. Now, having all those more pixels to play with gives you a better range of colors, a better range of contrast. So HDR is able to have more detail in the brighter and darker areas of the picture so that you can see a lot more detail in the image. So rather than just having this this washed out white area and just a black blob in the, on the screen, you now have more detail in each of those areas of the screen. 
That's why every 4K video you see, because there's that added information that 4K comes with now, there's just sheer number of pixels. Every 4K disc you buy, and even 4K, 4K movies that you're streaming, have the option of HDR because there's so much more information, there's more room to move with the pixels so that the, the, the picture looks even better. That's why HDR is part of 4K, which is way better than HD. Now, the next one I'm talking about is VPN. I've had a lot of questions about this because for a number of reasons. Now, the primary reason for VPN is to give you a private connection to the Internet. That's why it's called a VPN because it stands for Virtual Private Network. Now, if you use public Wi-Fi without a VPN, anyone could see what you're doing. A, a hacker could be on the same network as you, snooping all your information. The other thing that VPN does too is allow you to sort of trick uh, some services about where you're based. So if uh, back, in, back in the day, before we got our own version of Netflix, there were a lot of savvy users who used a VPN to subscribe to the American version of Netflix. So v by using the VPN, they tricked Netflix into thinking that they're based in the US and then were able to watch Netflix. Now that Netflix is in Australia, that's not an issue. But the security side of it is very important and still is still important. Uh, so there's the explanation of VPN and why it's important and how it can help you. Uh, for those people who uh, were streaming Netflix world years before us, uh, that's uh, they've, they've definitely had a head start. But VPN and HDR, those two acronyms that we've spoken about a fair few times on the Tech Guide podcast. And that is all we've got time for you this week. I'll be back in Australia next week for next week's show. But everything we've talked about on the show, you can find at techguide.com.au. And if you want to get in touch with us, feel free to send us a voice bite. Record, hit the blue icon, the record button in the middle of the Tech Guide site or on the side of the page, you'll see a record button. That will bring up a recorder for VoiceBite, an app I co-created with my brother. It allows you to record your voice, so in this case, a question for me to answer, and I will play your question. So your voice will be on the podcast, and I will answer the question there and then. If you want to go old school, emails are still accepted. Uh, info at techguide.com.au is the address you need there for any of your questions that I will uh, that also make up the Tech Guide help desk as well. We want to give a special thanks too to our sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs, and also Norton, the company that can keep you and your family safe online. Thank you so much for listening. We look forward to you joining you again next week. So until then, stay safe and stay connected. Thank <laughs> you.